0: Okay, good. I want to dedicate our uh, zoom bringing our Malav Malka stories to uh, Doctor Fassler's father, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Ben Ramesh Yisrael, whose site was today. Hashem aliyah. May go to better in behalf of his family for all good. say Chal Yisrael. Share with you tonight three stories. The first story I just heard um, last week from Rabbi Yitzhak Firmin. Heard it from Rabbi Segel from uh, Crown Heights. Heard it from uh, the one uh, one who the story happened with. Rabbi Yosef Weinberg, all the would always have this radio show uh, right after Shabbos where he would repeat the uh, Rebbe's words from Shabbos. And the Rebbe himself, by the way, would listen to this radio show. He would repeat the words that were said on Shabbos, and I think it was a similar setup to this year, where Lagba Omer was on a Tuesday. And he wasn't just repeating from Shabbos, he was also repeating from Lagba Omer. He also was sharing what the Rebbe had said on the week before on Pesach Sheni. So at that time, there was a certain Rabbi Vechter, Gezund, who lives today in Israel, who was in a, uh, part. he was mm-hmm. part of the administration. Of a Satmar yeshiva, and at that time in Williamsburg, uh, having any connection to Lubavitch was considered something uh, unworthy, to say the least. And his study of Chassidus—he was enamored—he was enamored with Chassidus—was looked at disdainfully by uh, by other members of the of the faculty, and it was also, eventually it was something that became dangerous for him. Uh, he actually was literally beaten up to an inch of his life. Let's give you an idea of the kind of um, venom that there was at that time, uh, and hatred, unfortunately, at that time. But I'm only mentioning it because it highlights his sacrifice he had for the teachings of Chassidus. Um, when he survived, it was on the 12th of Tamuz. How what year it was? He he said to his son, he would, he had been beaten up severely. He said to his son, "It was all worth it, just like so I learned the teachings the sichas of the Rebbe." But the story that sorry I'm sharing with you took place a little earlier on. Um, he was still still was still somewhat unknown his connection to Hasidus and to the Rebbe, and he was part of this administra- administration of this yeshiva, and he wanted to hear Rabbi Weinberg's radio program, but where was he going to hear it? So in this yeshiva, in various rooms in the yeshiva. They had radios, but no one would use the radios unless you were really uh, not part of the yeshiva. If you were someone who was unworthy and someone who wasn't part of the yeshiva, so they had these radios in, the, in various rooms in the yeshiva. Rabbi Vacherin knew that no one would suspect him of listening to the radio, because he was part of the administration of the yeshiva, only the lowest of the low would listen to the radio in this yeshiva. But so he decided he'll go into one of those rooms, and he walks into the room, and he and he wants to put on the radio. And in this room, there is one of these um, Satmar boys who come from a Satmar family, but he was considered what they would call an oizvarf. He was not a reject from the yeshiva, and he was listening. And, and he put on the radio, and this boy just happened to be in the room. And Rabbi Weinberg is sharing the Rebbe's teachings from lagba Omer and from Shabbos, and then he spoke about Pesach Sheni, and he said that the Rebbe. Spoke about how Pesach Sheni means it's never too late. It's never too late to return to Hashem. No matter what has happened in the past, you're always able to return to Hashem. Just like Hashem gives a second chance to bring the uh, second chance to, to celebrate Pesach. So, to in, in all in life, there's no such thing as really missing out. Hashem always give you a, gives you a second chance. There's no such thing as being too late. There's always another chance. That's what he was talking about. He also mentioned how it's not just about correcting the past, but the word. The Torah uses for bringing the Paschal Lamb is Tashlumin. Tashlumin means to correct the past, but also comes from the word perfection. So by offering the Paschal Lamb on Pesach Sheni, it also has the ability to perfect the past. So in a similar way, Pesach Sheni teaches us that not only are we able to correct the past, we're also able to perfect our lives, and we're not doomed by the failures of the past. So this, yeshiva students... Reject Yeshiva student hears this and he's very inspired. He's very inspired because this was Something totally foreign to him. He never heard of such a thing. He was always told his whole life that he's a reject He's not part of Yeshiva and he's not he's, he's, he's not able to He's not able to go back and to be like everybody else because of all the mistakes he made This was such a such a radical thought for him coming from this insulated community in Williamsburg at the time where he was told, no, you're a you can't ever make it in life because you just don't belong. That's what he always heard. So hearing this the first time really made a, a very deep impression on him and inspired him to actually do Teshuvah. He actually became a full Baal Teshuvah. So by Vechter, he would go every Saturday night and he would study Torah with Rabbi Yol Kahn, the one who uh, would always repeat every, every uh, who, who memorized every Srebrenica and, and because of him, we have transcripts of all the Deva's talks that were said on Shabbos and holidays. So, he would go every Saturday night, he would study with Erbil the whole night, we together, and he shared share with Erbil what happened that mm-hmm. week, interesting mm-hmm. thing. How, um, um, he should, um, hold on a second, hold on a second. Talk about that. Anyway, so um, so so Rabbi um, Rabbi Vechter told Rabbi Khan what had happened. Rabbi Khan was very in- in- impressed, and he wanted to give some nacha, some pleasure to Rabbi Weinberg, telling him how how effective his classes were. He told Rabbi Weinberg what happened. Rabbi Weinberg thought this was something that the Rebbe would want to know about, and he sh- he wrote a letter to the Rebbe, telling the Rebbe the story. In his letter, he wrote to the Rebbe that he wasn't thinking of mentioning Pesach Sheni because it was already a week past Pesach Sheni. However, he uh, decided to mention it because, uh, by divine providence, he just decided to mention it anyways. He th- even though he thought it was too late. So he wrote this to the Rebbe. And then responded, that's what Pesach Sheni is all about. You thought it was too late, in other words, was never too late. That's the story. That's the first story number one. Story number two has two more stories, incredible stories about the power of the tzaddik. In today's Hayom Yom, it says that it used to be that the head of the yeshiva, the rabbi, and the community were separated from each other. The rabbi was lonely, and the community was lonely, the Jew was lonely. And the chassidus accomplished the godly um novelty that the reb is not alone and the chasseh is not alone. That's just it says in today's On that note, of two stories of incredible, incredible stories um, about our Rebbe. Um, first story, I heard from Rabbi Weitman, Rabbi Weitman from uh, Brazil, Doug Weitman. Uh, he actually was here a few years ago and shared the story. I hope I'm sharing it correctly with the details. Um, it's been printed in many places, but um, stories like this. So there was a man named Rabbi uh, Chaim C. Schwartz who was a Holocaust survivor and came to New York in 1947. He visited the previous Rebbe. And he asked the previous Rebbe for advice, what he should do. What You know, he's just come to America, and he's a Holocaust survivor. What should he do? And the previous Rebbe told him that he should speak to his son-in-law, which later became the successor of the previous Rebbe, to our Rebbe. And he spoke to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said to him that since he is knowledgeable in Torah, there is a scarcity at the time of Torah teachers. So he should move to Brazil where they need, need, they need Torah teachers. And he should teach Torah in Brazil. That's what the Rabbi's advice was for him. And he took the Rabbi's advice and he moved to, uh, to Brazil. And uh, he became a Torah teacher in Brazil. His, 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 his success in teaching was apparent. And he later, he became soon the, the principal of this Torah uh, elementary school. And one day, a student comes into his office and says, my parents asked, if they could possibly speak to you tonight, it's for sure, and his, the parents come over. And the parents say that they have a very tragic thing they need help with, and that is that their daughter wants to be engaged, get engaged with a non-Jewish man. So mm-hmm. he promises the parents, I'm going to, um I'll I'm gonna talk to I'll try to talk to your daughter and the parents are very excited they're hopeful and he calls up the daughter the daughter is, doesn't want to meet him she calls again he's persistent he calls again and again and again and eventually the daughter agrees to meet with him but she was not really interested in anything he had to say in fact uh, whatever he said she just he wasn't talking with her he was talking at her. It, it, for two hours, he's telling her, uh, you know, this is going to hurt your soul. Are you done yet? This is, you're severing yourself with the Jewish community. You finished? You know, when you marry someone not Jewish, you're, you're, you're finishing the link of golden, the golden chain going back to Sarah and Abraham is ending with you. Are you finished? Can I go now? Whatever you said, you know, when you when your children are going to go up, there's going to be an argument between you and your husband, Hanukkah or the other holiday, Lahavlil, Whatever he said didn't make a difference. You know, most mixed marriages, they have tension, they have, but it didn't make a difference. She didn't hear a word he said. And he decided, since at the time he, um, he, uh, uh that time already the, the previous Rebbe had passed away, the Rebbe became the Rebbe, so he was going to call up the Rebbe and ask the Rebbe for a blessing for this girl. He had, in general, stayed in touch with Rabbi the rabbi secretary for advice about education, Rabbi Kharakov was um, the the director of Merkzah Chabad Center for Education, and so he decided he was going to ask the, the Rebbe what to do. If I remember correctly, this was already in 1953, in Tafshin, Yud-Gimel. So, the, um, Rabbi Kharakov, when he spoke to someone on the phone, the Rebbe would sometimes press a button to listen to the conversation. People calling this to give information to the Rebbe. Sometimes the Rebbe himself would listen. Sometimes the Rebbe would also respond and press another button so the person who was listening could hear the Rebbe speak to Rabbi Charakav. Sometimes it was just the Rebbe speaking to Rabbi Charakav, you couldn't hear. And sometimes the Rebbe would press another button you could hear the Rebbe speaking. So Rabbi Charakav tells Rabbi Schwartz when he tells him the story about this girl, Rabbi Charakav says, tell this man... Tell this girl, I'm sorry, that there's a man in New York who cannot sleep because she's considering to marry a non-Jew. So he's like, "What man who can't sleep in New York?" And so the Rebbe gets on the phone. never says, never says his name. never says his name, his full name, and this man is like is totally shocked. Is to tell her that this man can't sleep in New York and that and she should, she should consider that. Okay, he hangs up the phone. He's thinking, one second, but how in the world am I supposed to do this? What's the girl going to care if the Rebbe is a man in New York who can't sleep? Why would she even care? I spoke to her for two hours. A second later, the phone rings. It's Rebbe Kharakov. Rebbe Kharakov says, the Rebbe said that you should know that when you have a mission to do, you do this mission without any doubts, with joy. If you're sending a mission, to do it without any doubts. And you should tell this girl that she knows the Rebbe. She knows who this man is. That's what the message was. okay. He calls back up the girl. He asks to meet her again. And she's like, I don't want to meet you again for two hours. He says, no, no, no. I just have to tell you one thing. And he was very happy. She agreed to meet him again. He goes to meet her again. And he says, and he's thing before he leaves, he says, I have to show her who this person is that can't fall asleep at night. And he finds this magazine with it, which has a picture of the ribbon in it. And he goes to um, this girl's home. And he... Uh, And he he shows her. He first he tells her there's a man in New York he can't sleep at night. Who do what? what, I don't know any man in New York. What are you talking about? He he says you do know who it is, and he shows her a picture of the Rebbe in this magazine, and the girl's face also becomes white. She says that every night she's having this dream. This man, this man in this in in this magazine, is coming to her in the dream and saying to her that she should not leave her Jewish roots. And so she was very touched. She says, if this man cares so much about this, cares so much about me, they can't sleep at night, and it's so important, okay. And he, he explained to her, you know, it wasn't just a man, just, the, the Moshe Rabbeinu of each generation has a deep bond with every single soul, and therefore feels um, what's going on in each soul. So on that note, I'll share with you the last story for tonight. I think this story is an even more amazing story than the one I just shared. Uh, because it took place more recently and not with people of such great caliber like Rabbi, I meaning it's not it's not a story of, of of it's not so dramatic, and yet it's it's it has the same same flavor and highlights the same truth in an amazing way. Um, it's two girls in Plano, Texas, who became very close with the Horowitz and Block family, Block's families, the Shluchim the Rebbe's emissaries in Plano, Texas, um, through the camp that they made, the summer camp, the Ganyan Stahl summer camp. And they also became close to a girl named Itty Barber, who ran the camp many years in a row. Um, and one year, um, they weren't with a religious family at all, they went to not Jewish, they didn't go to a Jewish school, but one year, um, a few months, like this time of year, uh, not, not, not the time of year, sorry, what, what, about in the winter time, uh Itty Barbara calls up Vicky and Stephanie and tells them, you know, there's this amazing thing in New York called the Sea teen Shabbaton. And they have about 700 teens from all over the world get together in New York and they have an amazing time together and they celebrate Judaism and they have this thing in Times Square where they have a concert and it's so lively and so amazing. You guys would love to come. So Stephanie and Vicky are... They're listening, but like, yeah, but you don't know our parents. Our parents are very protective. Parents never think of allowing us to go for a whole weekend in New York. It's just not gonna happen. So Itti says, just ask, just ask. Okay. So they uh they ask their parents, and as they predicted, their parents are very against it. They don't want them to go. All right. So finally, they told uh, their head counselor, Itti, that, yeah, we we asked our, our, our parents and they're interested. And they said, no, they're worried. They said, New York is a dangerous place. It's not a good idea. We don't want you to go, all right? So Itty was persistent. She said, listen, there's a, a raffle for a scholarship for the Shabbaton. Just enter the scholarship, enter the raffle. Maybe you'll win. And maybe if you win, your parents will let you go. They had nothing to lose, but they didn't think it would make a difference, so they entered the raffle. And sure enough, uh Stephanie wins the raffle. She gets a full scholarship for the Shabbaton. And then there was another drawing a little later, and Vicky also won the raffle, and two of her friends won the raffle. So, so they go back to their dad. They say, "Dad, we won the raffle. Can we go?" And that's your you won the raffle. All right, you guys can go. No problem. They were shocked. They couldn't believe it. I mean, this was so not in their parents' way of doing things. They couldn't believe that they gave them permission to go to New York City for a whole weekend. Unbelievable! And they came to Crown Heights for that Shabbos, and it was for them. It was like a, they're like fish in water. They came. They they loved it. They saw the, a whole new culture they never knew about before. You know, coming from Plano, Texas, all of a sudden they're, they're, they 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 see Kingston Avenue with all of its um, colorful, uh, Jewish stores, of all types, all kinds of restaurants and bakeries and, and all kinds of people in the streets and, and the whole Shabbos together and what Shabbos was like with so many people. And then the, and then the finale, the, 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 um, Havdalah that's done in, in, um, Shitin Shabbaton in Times Square with literally 700 children with many, many more staff members. All together, a thousand people, and they're singing, and it's in Times Square. It's, it was electrifying. They loved it. And after the Saturday night event, the seating Shabbaton takes all the children, all the, stu- all the high school st- um, students, to the Rebbe's Oha. They didn't know why they are going to the what's oh, what going to the Oha was about, but they explained to them that, you know, the Tzaddik of every generation is like the Moses of generation, and he could pray for you, and you give him a letter, and he can pray to God for you. So they're very, okay, why not? So, so, so Vic, Stephanie wrote a letter and asked the rabbi for a blessing that her grandmother should get better and that her mother's eyesight, the mother's eyesight should return. Her mother's eyesight should be strengthened. That's sure. She wanted a blessing for her for grandmother's health and for her mother's eyesight. Anyways, before she leaves, there is a, um, she notices in the, uh, someone handed her, uh, before she goes back home to to Texas, someone handed her a brochure about, um, about a, it's it's called the Uncamp, right, by Manis Friedman. Um, he's a camp for women, uh, in Iowa, a three-week camp in the summertime. And, uh, it's a great opportunity for those who want to learn about Judaism. So someone handed it to her. That maybe she'll be considered going there. She was sure her parents would let mm-hmm. her go there. But, um, but she, she, um, she uh, took it with her. Whatever. Who knows? She saw her parents let her go to the Shabbaton. She didn't think that would happen either. Anyways, she, um, comes back home and she's unpacking and this brochure picks out from, from other stuff and she t- asks her dad shyly, dad, what do you think about me going to this summer camp? And her father immediately says, I think that would be a great idea. And I think and I think, your sister Vicky should go too. And she's totally shocked. Like, what? Dad, can you please tell me what brought about this change? Why you suddenly had this change of your heart? Why let's go to the Shabbat Where is this coming from? This is so unlike you. Where does this come from? And her dad says, it's nothing. She says, Dad, please tell me. I know that something's going on. So her dad said like this, she said that after you asked me about going to New York, and I didn't want you to go, I didn't think, didn't think it was safe. I went to sleep, and had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a picture of the man in the um, living room of the Harowitzes. The Harowitzes have a picture of the rabbit in their living room. I saw a picture. I saw that man in my dream, and he said to him, he said to me, "You should let your daughters go to New York. I'll make sure that they're safe." It was the Rebbe had come into his dream and told us them. So he was totally uh, blown away by that. And after he saw the Rebbe in his dream, he said, I saw you, Stephanie, in a in a, in a um, cemetery. And I saw you praying that your mother's eyesight should get better and that grandma should get healthier. And Stephanie couldn't believe it because her father had the dream far before she had gone to New York. He had he agreed to let her go to New York because of um, seeing the Rebbe in his, in his dream. And then on the Sunday after she had gone to New York, she had, that's when she asked her for a blessing for her mother and for her grandmother. So she was totally blown away. Anyways, she went to the camp and she really learned a lot about kosher and about Shabbos and she really got so excited that she began a seating chapter in uh, in her, in Plano, Texas, and by the following year, there was already twenty seven girls that came with her to the Shabbaton. She really created created a whole energy with her and her sister Vicky, and it really brought a whole renaissance in in Judaism in here in her in her school and and it, and still today there's there are many other students of of, of in that in that in that city which are part of sea teens and inspiring other people, but all because of that that dream. And Stephanie went ended up going to Mayanote in the Chabad Women's Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and she actually spoke at the uh International Chabad Conference for Women uh, they have every year in 2016. She told everyone this story, and how she feels wherever she goes in the world, that she's never alone. She's always with Torah, with Shabbos, with Chabad, wherever she goes around the world. Anyways, bottom line is, as it says in today's Hayom Yom, that a Jew is not alone, a chasseh is not alone, the Rebbe is not alone, and that... uh we have a shepherd who intercedes on our behalf on high, for every crest that's made for a blessing. And uh, we should all have a wonderful Geshmakah, Freylich and we should celebrate immediately in Shalayim, with Mashiach When Mashiach comes, you're again going to have HaKafis, as if it's Simchastura, it's just such an immediate celebration and joy without any limitation. So it's the time, this is the time coming from Parshish's Bar B'chukosai, coming to the week of B'amidbar, the week where we, all the Jewish people are all counted, we should celebrate with the Sumchastorah and, and the tenth counting, of the Jewish people in history, the Jewish people are counted nine times, Sheikh comes, we're all going to be counted again, and we're all going to see how we all count. L'chaim, l'chaim,